Welcome to Content Etc, a podcast to help you work through the challenges of marketing your creative small business. I'm your host, journalist and copywriter Michelle Gately from Word by Word Storytelling. I want to help you feel really excited about the content marketing process so you can feel confident in it and know that it's not just something else to cross off your to-do list. I'm all about the gentle and sustainable growth, so if you're after quick hacks and one-size-fits-all templates, then this is not the place for you. My mission is to help you create content marketing that's actually interesting, feels and sounds authentic, not just like a sales robot, and has just a little sprinkle of strategic magic. I want to help you feel really great about your content so that you can show your dream clients why you're their perfect match. Let's get started. Joining me today on the podcast is Susie Jackson. So this chat is going to be all about pricing. And I know that this is like a tricky subject, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to Susie because like I myself have struggled so much with pricing things. And I know it's a discussion whenever I share that with other freelancers or business owners, they're like, oh my God, me too. So I thought, you know, I've been following Susie for a while on Instagram and seeing her advice pop up. And I thought that she would be a wonderful guest to have on the podcast. So before we dive in, let me just tell you that Susie helps people figure out how much they should be charging, how to manage the financial side of their business, which is really scary for me, (laughs) so that they can earn a decent living doing what they love. Um, She's also a copy editor and a Spanish to English translator, which is amazing. I love that. I have so much respect for people who speak multiple languages and then people who can write that into um, and do the translation and, you know, take a work of something and turn it into English. It's amazing. So anyway, I will stop talking now. Susie, over to you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Tell me a tiny bit about what you do before we dive into the questions. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michelle. And uh, thanks for the great introduction. So um, yeah, as you said, I am a pricing and finance mentor to freelancers, basically. Um, I started off my business about seven years ago um doing copy editing and translation and then after a few years i kind of realized that i really was lacking something in terms of like the human connection and actually engaging with colleagues and things i think that's that's the really common issue when we start our own businesses and we go from like a a fishy workplace where we've got colleagues and friends and then suddenly we're on our own so um i decided i wanted to add something in to kind of replace that And I realized that I had all this um, kind of knowledge about how to run a business in an efficient way and how to price things in a way that was going to mean that my business was, you know, financially viable and that kind of thing. And I realized that that's definitely not the case for freelancers in general. So um, that's how the mentoring thing started. And so now I do kind of one-to-one mentoring and group programs and all that kind of stuff all around pricing 
primarily, but also just kind of how to manage your business finances and make them feel a little bit less scary, as you said, because definitely (laughs) finances bring anxiety for so many people. Yeah. And like, I think the thing too, and you may find this or you may have found this before you started working in this, but you know, like I'm a words person. So the numbers side of things scares me a lot. And then my tendency is just to ignore, which isn't that healthy. So um, I love that you can sort of appreciate that and help people see that it's not as scary as maybe we think it is. Um, Before we get into the actual questions, um, I just want to mention that I did a chat with Joe Hooper a few months ago at the end of 2022, and I'm going to link it in the show notes because I think it would be a great like companion to this episode. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you specifically about the subject of how we raise our prices, because something that Joe and I talked about was working out your capacity for work and what's going to work with your energy. And often that comes back to taking on less work, but charging more for what you do deliver. And I know that there's so much um, mental stuff that goes into setting prices and we probably can't really touch on that too much today because it's so individual to every single person. But I thought, you know, having had that discussion with Joe, having had that thought of, you know, raising my own prices, that maybe that's something we could dive into today because I always like to make these guest episodes, um, you know, really, really actionable and like a deep dive into one particular topic. So we're going to be talking about raising our pricing, but just before we get into the actual how to do that, I want to ask in your experience, why is it so hard for us to price services in particular? Well, I think just as a starting point, like most of us didn't study business, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think if, you're going, if you've always had this dream that you, you want to be a CEO of a big company, you probably go and learn business administration. Um, but I think that for a lot of freelancers and small business owners, they started their business for lifestyle reasons because they wanted, you know, the flexibility to be able to do things on their own terms. Uh, they wanted to be able to fit it in around their life rather than it dictating, you know, their job dictating what they do generally. So um, I think that that's as a starting point just means that many, many people who start their own small business do not have that background in knowing how to run a business. They start their business because they want to offer the core service that they love to offer. Um, And everything else that you have to do as a business owner just kind of has to be figured out as you go along. So obviously, you know, there's the admin side of things, there's marketing, and then of course there's finances. And I think, you know, pricing specifically as part of finances then brings up all of these other emotions. I mean, you said it before, that you think of yourself as a words person. And, you know, I see this all the time among my fellow translators and and editors as well, that they very much think of themselves as word people. And maybe at school, they always thought, oh, I'm really bad with numbers, I can't do maths or whatever. Um, And I think that so much of the difficulty that we face in terms of managing the numbers in our business is that we've just never been taught how to manage them. So it's not necessarily that we're bad with those things. You know, you can't expect to, for example, sit down at a piano and just suddenly know how to play if you've never taken a lesson in your life. And I think it's the same with finances. You know, there are, there's a lot that we can learn in terms of how to practically manage these things that could make us feel more confident. 
So um, that's so true because like I would I would say that about writing and stuff as well like it is exactly the same advice it makes so much sense when you say it that like I would (laughs) tell people who were like oh my gosh like you're a really good writer and I'm like I know because I've been doing it every single day for 10 years or whatever is my job of course I've got that practice I've learned those skills I've studied those things um yeah why do I expect myself to immediately understand like accounting and business finance (laughs) exactly I think I think so many of us think well it's just numbers like I should know how to do that whereas I think it's more common to recognize oh I've never done marketing before so I should take a course on how to market my business because I don't know how to do that but it's very rare for in my experience for business owners to to come out and say you know I think I need to be shown how to manage the the money side of my business um and maybe you get to the point where you're like okay I'm going to hire an accountant because I'm at the point now where I can afford to maybe outsource this and it's going to take some of the burden off me in terms of like admin and that kind of thing but I think it's much rarer to say I need someone to teach me how to do these things so I think that's like the first issue and then as a result of that when we start our businesses we base our prices on maybe what we see others charging or maybe we don't even actively price our own services maybe you know we're approached by a potential client and then they offer us a certain price for the work and we go okay then Um, and then that kind of becomes a pattern at the start of our business Um, and you know setting our prices in either of those two ways is no guarantee that we will actually be able to earn enough through our business um, you know to cover all of our financial needs and our bearing in mind our capacity which you mentioned you know you talked about that in, in the episode with joe so we have to bear in mind that online business is global which means that we are competing even if we don't think of them as our competitors we are competing with other business owners from all around the world and you know for those of us who live in the uk or, you know, in the US or Australia or whatever, countries with a higher cost of living are clearly going to need to charge higher prices than business owners who live in Latin America, for example. Um, And I think the issue is that we're not always looking for the right clients who have the budget to match what we need to charge. So we might start to feel like we aren't earning enough, but then we're kind of afraid of losing our existing clients or never being able to find another one if we put our prices up. And then imposter syndrome can also mean that we lack confidence in the value of our services. And it just becomes this kind of really negative spiral that it's really difficult to get out of. Absolutely. And as I said, like, we probably can't go into all of that stuff today because it's so much. (laughs) So I thought I would ask you more about some of the practical things we can do because that is also uh you know scary when we think about raising our prices but what would you say are some of the first things that we need to consider um you know if we've sat down and thought okay we do need to be earning more to cover our cost of living or to to be able to take some time off in our business or to be able to work less hours not be working 24 7 um what are some things we need to consider before we actually implement that and raise our prices whatever those prices may be Mm. Yeah, so I think that's a really important point. Like before you even think about starting to send a, a rate email, to, you know, a rate increase email to your clients, you need to be absolutely clear on what you need to be charging in order for your, your business to be financially viable. So, you know, doing the groundwork to figure all of that out first before you even get to the point of saying, okay, I'm going to email my clients now and tell, tell them that my prices are going up. Because you've got to make sure that when you do take that step and put your prices up, 
you're putting them up enough. There's no point kind of going through all of that um, awful experience as so many free freelancers might need to be of having to, you know, send that email and then think about negotiating and all of that only to find six months down the line that you didn't actually put your price up enough and you're still not earning what you need. So that's the first thing. Um, then I would say it's important to recognize that it's always going to be easier to raise your prices for new clients than it is to raise them with existing ones because new clients haven't necessarily seen what you were charging before. Um, so start there. You know, and particularly if you aren't working at full capacity in terms of like, let's say you have, I don't know, 15 hours that you can do of paid work in a week because of all of the other commitments you've got in your life. Uh, and you know you can manage 15 hours a week. And let's say the average workload that you've got coming in only keeps you busy for eight or 10 hours a week. Then I would say it's really important to focus first on finding new clients at your higher rates to kind of complete the workload and make sure that you are working to capacity before you then raise your rates with your existing clients because we you know if there is a big difference between what you're currently charging and what you're going to put your rates up to it is very possible that your existing clients just won't be able to increase what they're paying you enough to meet that in which case mm. you need to make sure that you're not leaving yourself in a vulnerable situation so start by putting your prices up for any new clients and any new quotes that you're issuing and then once you feel like you've got enough of, you know, enough stability at that point, then you can think about starting to raise your prices with existing clients. Mm, that's a really good point. And I think, um, again, sorry to keep comparing this to the chat with Joe, but I think it just works so hand in hand. And it's a lot of what I've personally discussed with her as well of looking at when you do sit down and look at where your work is coming from, say, for instance, you have those 15 hours and it's actually full, but it's it's still not earning you enough. Maybe that's also the point where you sit and assess, as you said before, some people don't have the budget to, some people obviously have a smaller budget, but are those the clients that you want to continue to attract or do you want to sort of finish up working with these clients who are you are charging at a lower rate I guess and you know if some clients contracts are coming up for renewal for example if you're on like a retainer basis or you know something's ending and, and that working relationship may naturally come to a close is that the point where you say okay I'm actually I'm actually going to say that we're not going to renew this and I'm going to take those if that gives you back say five hours to look at working with someone at that higher price does that make sense <laughs> absolutely yeah and actually I don't mind at all the comparisons with Joe because Joe and I are always on the same page in terms of all of this pricing stuff yes. and thinking about it capacity. does it just it just works in so well because I know and I, I was I can't remember if you said this in our chat or if it's in the research I was reading some of your blogs but you know it is so common for us to just like pick a number when we start out based on what other people are doing and then realize oh actually that leaves me with not covering enough so I am working a lot mm -hmm. and so as you start to look at raising your prices naturally like that's gonna that how many hours you have to work and stuff it's all gonna factor in so I do think you know if if you're listening to this conversation, make sure you've listened to that conversation with Joe as well, because I think it all works in together. And overall, I think working on your pricing and looking at your capacity together will also make for a more sustainable business in the long run. And this is why I've been focusing on it as well, because I just couldn't, um, I knew I couldn't keep going at 
the the way that I was. So, you know, looking for more space in my business, looking uh, to reduce my, I guess, commitments and things like that meant that I needed to raise my prices (laughs) as well. Mm -hmm. So it does all work so well together. Hello, I am briefly popping in, interrupting myself to share a little bit about my new service, the Copy Edit. This is a detailed audit of your website words combined with thoughtful suggested copy rewrites in your brand voice. So you can feel really confident that your website is the home of your business with copywriting that nurtures your dream people. It's perfect for you if you've written your own copy or if you've pivoted your business over a few years and want to make sure that the messaging is really cohesive, speaking to the right people. I look through your main website pages and your sales pages and product descriptions and give really thoughtful feedback on what's working and where things can be improved and then this is my favorite thing, I will rewrite sections of your website. Now, these are of course just suggestions, so you can use it as a starting point for the things that you wanna change on the website. But my aim with this, as one of my lovely clients literally said she did, is that you can copy and paste these updates to your website. So my client said that the voice and the wording of the rewrites felt so spot on that she just was able to put them straight on the website and update it without any stress. I want to help you create a website that's nurturing your audience and helping you sell. The process for a copy edit is simple. You book, you fill out the questionnaire and within a week I'll send you a detailed report with all my recommendations And then we'll meet virtually for a debrief call where you can quiz me about all the aspects of the report, ask any other questions or get my feedback on any updates you've made. So if you head to the episode notes, you'll find a link to book your own copy edit and I'll include a link to a blog post where I share extracts from a real life edit so you can get a feel for what's involved and what to expect. Now back to the episode. Um, so yeah, some really important things to consider there. So we've decided to raise our prices and on one hand, we're looking for some new clients at that new price, but we have some really good clients who, you know, maybe have worked with us for a while or, you know, we still want to continue that working relationship with them. How can we start to raise those prices with our existing clients? Mm. So one thing that I always recommend is doing an assessment of your clients and thinking about how much you actually earn per hour on the work that you do for them. So some people listening to this might find that very easy because they might have an agreed hourly rate and be paid by the hour by their clients. But for others of us, it's not necessarily that simple because maybe we agree project prices or we have packages or whatever. In which case, it's really, really useful if you don't already to start tracking the time that you're spending on your client work. So that at any point when you get to the end of a project, you can do that calculation and see, okay, this client paid me £200 for this project. And I spent, I don't know, for ease of maths, let's say 10 hours on it in total. Then you know that the hourly rate that you've earned on that project is £20 an hour. And if you've done all of the calculations and the groundwork that I was talking about before, in terms of, you know, 
figuring out what you actually need to earn from your business and what's your capacity and getting to kind of what your minimum hourly rate needs to be, you can compare the hourly rate that you're earning for each of your clients um, to the hourly rate that you know you need to be earning as a minimum. So start off by doing a client assessment to understand that. You would need some time tracking data for that. But once you've got that, you can then start to look at, you know, rather than just thinking, okay, this particular client, I have a, an agreed rate of, I don't know, 25 pounds an hour with, this one I have an agreed rate of 30 pounds an hour with. Um, rather than looking at it on that level, you can say, well, actually the one that's paying me 30 pounds an hour, the work for that client takes me a lot longer. So the hourly rate that I'm actually earning per hour on that client is maybe lower. So I don't know whether I explained that very clearly, but thinking about it more in terms of a, a rate that is comparable across all of your clients, rather than thinking of, you know, that client's paying me this much per word or this client's paying me this much per blog post or whatever it is, like getting it to a point where you can actually easily compare the rates that you're earning from all of your clients. And then mm. one thing that I, I always insist on, and I think it's quite different from the general guidance that you see around raising prices is not to raise them with all of your clients at the same time. I think particularly like at the beginning of, of the new year, or maybe as you're coming to the end of the year, there's a lot of guidance like, oh, you should raise your prices now. It's a really good time to do it. Contact all your clients, tell them all kind of thing. And I really, really do not recommend doing it with all of your clients at the same time, because I just think it puts you in such a vulnerable position. Like if, if five or six of your clients came back to you at that point and said, no, we're not going to pay you more or we can't afford to pay you what you're asking for, then you're in the position of potentially losing those five or six clients all at the same time and having to figure out what you're going to do. Um, and in terms of negotiation, that puts you in a really weak position. So I always recommend trying to do it kind of bit by bit through the year with one client at a time. So when you do your client assessment, look at it and see maybe which is the one that's coming out with that lowest hourly rate that you're actually earning or maybe there's a client who you see on the list who you're like oh I always dread it when I see those emails from that client pop into my inbox like I really don't like working with them maybe they're a really good candidate to do it with first because if you lose them well you're not going to be very sad about it um whereas mm. you know if you pick the one with the hourly rate being the lowest then you'll know that if you lose that particular client, it wasn't working out great for you financially working for them anyway. So maybe if you lose that one client, you can spend some more time marketing yourself to others that might pay better. Um, you know, alternatively, it might be you look at the list and you see one client who you think, actually, I know they can afford to pay me more. So that's going to be an easy win, in which case start with them. Or, you know, there might be one client that you haven't raised your rates with for three years and you did all the rest last year, in which case maybe you go with the one that you haven't raised your rate with for the longest. So there are various ways to choose which one you're going to do it with first. But pick one, start with them. And before you go into that kind of email exchange in terms of, OK, my price is going up, blah, blah, blah. Think about all the different possible outcomes of that negotiation. So I tend to see four possible outcomes usually. One of them, which is obviously like the ideal one, is the client says, yes, that's fine, no problem, and then continues to send you work exactly the same as before so that the relationship doesn't change, but that you're just suddenly earning a lot more for the work, which is ideal and does happen yeah. sometimes. I can't say that it happens all the time, but it does happen sometimes. Then you've got clients who will agree to the rate increase because maybe they really value your service, they respect you as business owner, 
Um, but their budget hasn't changed. So in terms of the total workload they can afford to send you, obviously that's going to reduce. So that's a possible outcome. Another one is that they try to negotiate on that rate increase and they say, well, we can't pay you that, but how about we meet in the middle and you know, then you do have to negotiate. Or the fourth possible outcome is the client says, we really can't pay you any more than we're currently paying you. Um, and you kind of then have to make a decision about what you're going to do. So consider all four of those possible outcomes before you even send the email about increasing your rate and figure out what you would do in each one. So obviously the first one's easy. That's like the perfect outcome. <laughs> um, the second one, um, if the workload reduced, you know, consider would that be a problem for you? Obviously the hourly rate that you'd be earning on the work that you'll be doing for them would be higher. So it might not actually be a problem at all. And it might free up some time for you to look for other higher paying new clients um, in addition to earning a better rate with them. But it might be that if your workload is actually not currently at the level that you need it to be, that actually might be problematic. In which case, one thing that I recommend is um, if the client is a company, try to find out when their financial year starts and ends. Because if you can contact them with a couple of months notice, for when their financial year ends, potentially they can build in a higher budget for your work into their next financial year. And then they won't necessarily need to reduce the workload that they send you. So that's one tip um, for that scenario. Mm. Um, for the one where the client tries to negotiate, you need to know before you go into that negotiation, how low you're willing to accept and at what point you're going to walk away. So it might be that you're trying to put your hourly rate up with them or your rate from £25 an hour to £35 an hour. And they come back to you and they say, well, we can't, you know, we can't pay 35, but we pay 30. You need to already know before you're in that situation whether you're willing to accept that. And if you are, you know, are you going to get the client to kind of compromise on anything in exchange for that? Because obviously you're getting less than you were ideally wanting. So is there anything about the relationship with that client that you think could be improved beyond the rate that they're paying you? So it might be that they often send you stuff with a really short deadline and that just doesn't work for you. In which case, could you ask them to, you know, consider not to consider giving you longer deadlines for the work that they send you? Um, and in exchange for that, you'll agree to the 30 rather than the 35. So that's just an example, but thinking about like things beyond the numbers that you could ask for that would improve the relationship for you. Um, and, you know, considering all of those elements before you go into the negotiation. And then in terms of if a client just totally refuses to pay anymore, well, that's really awkward, obviously, but at least <laughs> if you're only doing it with one client at a time, it's not such a huge risk because you can consider that worst case scenario in isolation and know that you're not rocking the boat with any of your other clients at this point like your other clients are going to continue as they are so um you can consider okay if i lost this client this one client is that going to be a problem for me in some cases you might say yes actually it would be a problem for me in which case i would say hold off on trying to raise your rate with that client until you feel you're in a more stable position with the rest of your client base that it's not going to matter so much but um, I would say whenever you go into this kind of negotiation, you ideally need to be willing to walk away if needed. Mm. So make sure you've considered all of that first. 
And then just communicate the increase to the client and give them notice. So say, you know, as of next month or the month after, my price is going to be this. And be firm. Remember that the service provider sets the price, not the client. So you're, you should be telling them what the price is going up to. Don't kind of invite negotiation because if they're going to, you know, if they want to negotiate, they will negotiate. Um, even if you've not said to them, this is negotiable or whatever. Um, so I recommend always just being really firm, telling them that the price is going up, telling them when that's going to happen. And if they've got a problem with that, they will come back and tell you. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that is so helpful. I'm sure that that's going to be so helpful for so many people listening. It's so great to have those practical steps because often we hear that advice of, as you said, you know, either raise your prices once a year or even just the idea of raise your prices. But it's sometimes it's not as easy as being like, right, well, this is my new price and that is it. There's so many things to consider. And I think that's just such a, a nuanced way of, of looking at all those possible elements. And I think the, the advice to look at what the outcomes are is, re- is a really important part, I guess, of, of anything that you do in business, like any, whether you're sending a quote for anything or you know you're putting new packages up or whatever like I I just think that that's going to be something that I remember most from this chat is like consider what all the outcomes are and what you're going to do in each of them it's so helpful um so when we do this and we and we put our new prices up or you know we have that conversation with our clients um I guess there can still be those doubts, those niggles um, and a bit of fear about promoting those new prices. Do you have any advice to help overcome some of that fear we might have about promoting ourselves at our new prices? And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm asking because I go through it all the time. (laughs) It is such a common issue, honestly. You're definitely not the only one. But I, I think that knowing, you know, having done the calculations for your pricing in the way that we've described briefly and making sure that they are based on your capacity and your financial needs and they're based on real numbers rather than just either being plucked out of the air or based on what you see other people charging really helps remove some of the emotion from it but it's never going to take away all the emotion (laughs) so a few points to remember um, to help you overcome those doubts I think you have to remember that your level of experience doesn't necessarily have a direct impact on the quality of your work. So I think it's particularly common for business owners who haven't been in business for that long, or maybe haven't been freelancing and offering their their service freelance for for many years to think, well, I'm not that experienced, so I surely can't charge those higher rates that I want to or need to charge. Um, And I would say that, you know, your level of experience doesn't directly correlate with the value the client's going to get from the service that you're providing. So um, remembering that if you can provide what the client is looking for from the service, then you should absolutely be charging what you want to charge for it. Um, So that's the first point. The second point is that you have to understand that the value of your service is twofold. So I think people talk about value-based pricing and thinking about what the service is worth to the client. And of course, that's important because if the client doesn't see that the service you're providing is worth what you're charging for it, well, they're not going to hire you. So that's important, obviously. But I think the part of this conversation about value-based pricing that often gets missed out is that any service that you provide has also got to 
be worth it to your business. So just in terms of like the time and the energy that you're putting into offering this thing, if it's not sufficiently well paid, then it's not, it's not worth it for your business to be doing that. So we have to consider both aspects of that value-based pricing um, conversation and make sure that what we're charging for any service is, uh, reflects the kind of energy and the time that's going into it. Um, because honestly, if your business isn't financially sustainable, like if it can't support you, then it's not really a business, it's an expensive hobby. So we really, really have to kind of keep that in mind. And then another point is that your ideal client is someone who can pay the rates that you need to charge. I know obviously there are other aspects of this whole ideal client um, kind of idea concept in, in the marketing world in terms of kind of trying to figure out who your ideal client is. But to me, it all comes back to that. You know, if, if your clients can't pay the rates that you need to charge in order for your business to be sustainable, they are not the right clients for you. So if we flip that on its head, you know, who are those clients who can pay the rates that you need to charge? And if you do this kind of client assessment that I was describing earlier, do you see any patterns among the clients who are coming out on top in terms of that hourly rate that you're actually earning for the work that you're doing for them? I see this a lot um, among my mentees where maybe they work with clients all around the world and particularly clients they have that are based in, in one country, you know, just accept the prices that they quote outright and never quibble or negotiate or anything. Then clients that they have in another country maybe always try and push them down on price because they have lower budgets and that kind of thing. In which case, if you do a client assessment and you notice that the clients that are coming out on top in terms of the hourly rate that you're earning from them are all based in a particular country or a particular part of the country, it's worth trying to exploit that and say, okay, maybe I can tailor my marketing to try to attract clients in that location because clearly they have the budget to pay the rates that I need to charge. Or, you know, maybe it's not geographical location, maybe it's the type of the company. Is it an agency versus, you know, directly working with the end client? Or is it a large company versus small company versus an individual? So looking for those kinds of characteristics to identify who are the types of clients that maybe do have the budget to pay what you need to be charging. And then actually doing something with that information and using it to inform your marketing strategy. Obviously, I am not the marketing expert here. You know far more about it than I do, probably. <laughs> but, you know, that's something that I found has worked really well for me um, and for my mentees. Mm. Oh, those those tips are really, really helpful. Thank you. And as I said, there's just so much that I've got out of this chat and I hope that everyone listening has as well. So to finish off, just to round up everything we've discussed, what would be your three top tips for raising our prices? Well, the first one, um, make sure that you do thorough rate calculations first so that when you actually are ready to raise your prices, you are raising them enough and it's not going to be problematic for you down the line. That would be number one. Number two, as I said before, raise them with one existing client at a time alongside all new clients. <laughs> so as soon as you've figured out what you need to be charging, start charging those prices to new clients and then raise your prices with your existing clients one at a time. And finally, remember that the service provider sets the price. So if you think of any other industry, if you were going to, let's say your kitchen sink broke and you needed to hire a plumber, 
you would not phone up a plumber and say, I'll pay you a hundred pounds to come and fix my sink. Come now. The plumber would just probably laugh at you and go, well, A, it's an emergency, so I'm going to charge you a rush fee on top of what I would normally charge you. Um, and B, like, go away, I set my prices, right? So I think quite often when we're freelancing and we're running online businesses, we get into this mindset of like, well, you know, I'm worrying about what my clients' budgets are and are there going to be enough clients out there? There are, there are clients at every budget level. And so you have to recognize that you need to set your own prices based on your own financial needs and your own capacity. And then go out and find the clients who can afford to pay those prices. So not every client is going to be the right one for you. That's fine. That's the way the world works. Um, but you set your prices. And if you don't even try to charge prices that will enable you to run a financially viable business, then that's on you. That's not on your clients. So um, making sure you're really, really clear on what those numbers are and then going out there and finding the clients who can afford to pay those rates. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so, so many things to think about from this. Um, to finish up with, do you want to share a little bit about how people can find you online and follow your work? And we will, of course, link to um, some of your blog posts and things like that in the show notes because they're very, very helpful. Um, but yeah, how can people work with you? Yeah, so um, my website is www.susiejackson.co.uk and on there um, I list kind of all of the, the, the main ways that you can work with me. So right now um, I've got my Charge with Confidence program, which is my, my uh, signature offering, which is a mentoring program that takes you from having no idea how to set your prices through to you know doing all these calculations that we've described and then taking action to implement them so that might be raising your rates with your existing clients or it might be just starting to quote higher to new clients so as part of that we provide a rate calculator spreadsheet and all kinds of like templates and things like that so that's my signature offering that's the big one um, but in terms of one-off sessions i offer a couple of different types too I offer what I call a raise and rise session, which is all about this topic we've been talking about, you know, how to actually go and raise your prices for your existing clients. And we talk through a few clients that you want to raise your rates with first and map out a strategy. So we basically talk through all of those different scenarios that I mentioned earlier that could possibly come from that negotiation. And we talk about what you would do in each case, uh, map out what you would do, get that all written out so that you can't kind of forget it or get too nervous in a situation where you can't remember what you're going to do and that kind of thing um uh, so that's my race and rise sessions and then the final one is um business money mentoring so that's either a 30 or a 60 minute call we can talk about anything money and finance related that you are you know wanting support with or you're concerned about um so those are the kind of main ways to work with me um as you said i've got a blog on my website too which has loads of free content all around money and pricing and all of that kind of stuff and my uh, favorite place to hang out on social media is instagram i am the dot organized freelancer so i would love to connect with any of the listeners there too wonderful thank you again for joining me it's been so great to chat and it feels a little bit less scary than when we first started chatting about money and finances and stuff so thank you so much thanks for having me michelle it's been a pleasure Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Content Etc. If you head over to wordbywordstorytelling.com forward slash blog, you'll find a blog version of this episode. 
There'll be links to anything I've mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by tagging me in your stories on Instagram, where I'm at word by word storytelling. And let me know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. If you know someone who would enjoy listening to the show, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful forms of podcast recommendation. Make sure you're following the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it drops.